Welcome to the Stickers on the Mic podcast brought to you by StickerGiant.com, where we talk with our customers about how they started their business, how they're marketing their brand, and how they're growing their company. If you're joining us for the first time, welcome. And if you're a regular listener, thank you for your continued support. As a bonus for all of our listeners who want to try us out, head over to StickerGiant.com and use the coupon PODCAST to take 20% off your first item. Without further ado, it's time for the Stickers on the Mic podcast from StickerGiant. Let's get on with the show. Hello and welcome back to the Stickers on the Mic podcast. Hamish here, I'll be your host for this episode. And joining me today is Elise Blaha-Kripe. She's an entrepreneur, passionate crafter, blogger, author, and she hosts her own podcast, Elise Gets Crafty, just to name a few of her talents and achievements. Elise, uh, welcome to the show and thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. It's an honor to be here. Um, I honestly had a little trouble uh, writing your introduction because you do such a, a wide array of things. So I'm really excited to, to kind of get into the details um, and hear your side of the story. So um, maybe you could kick stuff off uh, and tell us a little bit about your yourself um, and your background. Yeah, definitely. So I went to college for business. I was a um, business administration major with an emphasis in marketing. And early in my college career, I think I was a sophomore, I took a class and we had to create a blog as part of that class. And we wrote, you know, a few blog posts for the semester. And I guess the teacher read them and graded us. I, I kind of I don't remember it too well. Um, and so around that time, this was 2011, um, blogs were Actually, sorry, this is like 2004. Um, Blogs were kind of, as far as I knew, just getting started. So I was reading a ton of blogs. Um, And then in 2005, I decided to start my own. And it was, at the time, we didn't have this word, but I guess now you would kind of describe it as like a lifestyle blog. And that I was just sharing about my life, sharing what I was working on, you know, internships, um, you know, anything. It was very casual as a lot of blogs were back then. Um, And then that sort of snowballed and evolved. And I graduated from college. I went to work at a paper store in Washington, D.C. And that's where crafting kind of became my job. And I learned a lot from that. And I started making paper products like little books and cards uh, to sell online. I had an Etsy shop. And um, yeah, so then that just sort of snowballed for Over a decade now, I've been working for myself and kind of figuring things out. And my main business today um, is called Get to Workbook. And it's a planner and a bunch of different goal setting tools. Um, And that's, even though there's still kind of, I wear a lot of hats, that's the main business that I run right now. Yeah. And that's, uh, it's interesting to hear, you know, when you started blogging, it's kind of uh, pre-social media. Um, (laughs) So I'd be interested to hear what you think about how that's um, kind of changed and that transition from, you know, maybe doing just blogs and now, uh, you know, using social media with your own business and and that being the main publishing tool for people. Yeah. Great question. I think that back then it definitely felt smaller. You know, the internet, it was smaller. It was harder to post. It definitely wasn't as instant in the same way. Like we didn't have cameras on our phone the same way. I had a flip phone. And so, you know, I would take pictures on my digital camera. I would upload them. I would edit them and the, or, you know, edit, I mean, resize. And then I would post to the internet. So it was much more of a process. Um, and so it didn't have that kind of instant, here's where I am. This is what I'm doing way that the internet seems to have now, which I think, you know, is good and bad. Um, it was harder to get your message out there because you were just sharing, like you were literally posting. And then there wasn't really a place to go and say, Hey, here's what I just posted. 
um, a lot of how people found you, you know, was through word of mouth. Like, oh, hey, I read this blog. Or a lot of blogs back then had like a, a sidebar that had links to all the blogs that they read. And I remember you would kind of hop from one to the other. You'd, you know, scroll that you pick one, and you'd read that post, and then you'd go to that person's blog. So it was very different. Um, I don't think it had kind of the same community that we have right now. There wasn't as quick back and forth with the comments. Um, so it was different. It was, I think it was harder, but it, in some ways it was um, quaint, you know? Yeah, well, maybe uh, sort of harder to, to, to post and get stuff out there, but even with maybe the noise today, it, it can probably, people can probably find it quite difficult. Um, now that yeah, yes, so many yeah. more people are doing it now, I suppose, which, which might make that more difficult now, but I totally understand the, the effort you had to go in into just publishing a piece of content was much more mm -hmm. involved. Um, and I'd love to talk just a little bit about, um, you know, your crafting and being a maker, because um, I think that's, you know, really relevant to, to what we do as a business, working with um, so many people making products and stuff like that. So you were, um, you know, making your own products and selling them until quite recently, correct? Yes, definitely. Um, up until Get to Workbook, so I launched that in 2015. Um, up until that, I was, uh, you know, making everything myself for the most part. Uh, a lot of you know, for a while I, I made, like I knitted blankets. Um, I hand stained a bunch of wood ampersands. Um, so it was more involved DIY, which I love. And, and that's still, you know, the maker term is something I've really embraced. Um, and I still make a lot. It's just now it's more on a smaller scale for myself. Um, I'm not making <laughs> as much to sell. My books are printed, you know, up in, um, Portland, Oregon, actually. And so they're printed up there and they're shipped, shipped down to me and then I send them out from here. Cool. And, uh, you know, for our, our crafters out there, maybe who are, you know, trying to uh, make stuff for their stores, do you have any um, advice? Like, how are you selling it? Um, you know, how yeah. are you kind of getting it out there in front of people? Yeah, the two things that helped me the most that I feel like helped bring me from um, more hobbyist to someone who was making more money was batch, like batch creating. And that was the first thing. And the second thing was making sure I was wholesaling my, or purchasing wholesale my raw ingredients. Um, those are two things that are, especially the wholesale, I think can seem really intimidating when you're first getting started. You're used to going to an art store or going to a craft store or going to Amazon and, and buying, you know, whatever it is, your pack of a hundred paper. Um, but your next step, and I think what can really make a difference is when you get a reseller's license and you're able to go directly to those brands and say, Hey, I need, you know, a hundred and you can get them at a slightly smaller price, which then helps you create, you know, raise your margins and have a little bit more income coming in. And then, yeah, as much batching as you can do. So if you can um, cut everything and then punch everything or whatever you're doing, those are the types of things that are going to help and allow you to scale a bit better. Yeah, that makes total sense. And the two can kind of go hand in hand, like you buy more materials and therefore, you know, you do bigger batches and, and you batch your workload exactly. together. Yeah, um, I can yeah. see how those two, you know, combine to, to make things, uh, you know, more economical from a production standpoint. Yeah. Were you um, using social media at all to sell your products? I think in the beginning, um, I remember being on Twitter. Uh, now my main source of my main social media feed and what I use all the time is Instagram. Um, that's become, you know, my my biggest promotional tool, especially for Get to Workbook. Um, Pinterest is still helpful, not in the sense that I'm posting my own things and people are seeing those and repinning them, but anytime, of course, when you know, someone goes to search for a certain product and your pin can come up, like that's so helpful. Um, I, I actually don't use Facebook very much, which is weird. Like, of course you need to be on Facebook and active on there. Um, but it's not 
I don't use it as much as a user. And so as a creator, it's harder for me to, to get into it. So it's mostly just Instagram. Yeah. I mean, I think stick, stick to what you know, and I guess what you, what you like, um, did you ever use Facebook or is that just something that was never a big part of, um, your position? Facebook came out when I was in college. And so, you know, in 2005 or 2006, when it came out, I was using Facebook because it, Facebook kind of went from college to college and they opened it up and then they opened it up to high school. And then they opened it up to everyone. And so when I was in college, I used Facebook. Um, and then it kind of grew into the only thing that's out there. Um, and I just faded off. I kind of missed the boat. I wasn't interested in it anymore. Yeah, I, I guess I asked that question because um, I know, you know, organic reach, uh, something that kind of pops up a lot in terms of social media and, you know, Facebook's making it really hard, um, you know, if you're not spending money to, to be visible on there. Um, and yeah. I think, uh, yeah, to your point about Instagram, I think you you still have that on Instagram where um, you can, you know, put stuff out and, and people that follow you can actually see it. Uh, it's, yeah. it's, a, it's a bit of, uh, I can see why it's really tricky, especially for small businesses on Facebook because it's, it's a pay to play world right now. Yep. And I liked your point, you know, you don't have to do all the things. I mean, it's, it's impossible to give hundred percent to, you know, 15 different social media apps. And so pick the one that you're going to be really into and, and active on, and then just go deep into that one. Yeah. And I think definitely pick the one where your, um, your followers and your fans and stuff are, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's no good being on Facebook. If none of your customers are on Facebook, you're, right, you're just right. spending time on something that's not bringing you any value. Right. Um, so let's talk a little bit more about the the Get to Work book. Um, you know your your main your uh, sort of venture right now. Um, so how did that get started? Yeah. So I um, had the opportunity to speak at an event called the World Domination Summit in the summer of 2014. And at that event, I talked about making bold statements and setting goals and sharing your goals out loud. And I talked for 25 minutes and just kind of explained my concept of, you know, big ideas and then making them happen. And after that event, I was like, okay, you know, it connected with people and I was very passionate about it. And I thought like, what, what can I do with this? So what can I do with this idea? And that's where the plan for the planner came. And so get to workbook is a planner that has weekly spreads and it's kind of your traditional, there's also calendar pages. And then there's some goal setting features and that became the, that was the initial product and i launched in march 2015 and then from get to work book based on listening to my customers and you know kind of seeing what worked and what wasn't for people i've kind of spun off to different products and so now i sell notepads and notebooks um, and a lot of different products related to that but the umbrella is the planner yeah so these sort of um the motivational and productivity themes what kind of sparked that catalyst i know you spoke at the event but how did you kind of get to speaking it you know uh a 25 minute talk's a pretty a pretty big deal that's that's quite your uh quite a big thing to do for your sort of first uh attempt into that kind of world yeah it was super scary i am um, the friend the guy who hosted is chris gillibo and he had stumbled on my blog and was you know, he doesn't do any of the crafting that I do, but he was inspired by this idea that I was just passionately putting forward my ideas over and over and over again. And um, so that's what I, like, I always tell people who are getting started is, is it's just, you have to share um, what you're doing. Like you have to share everything that you're doing as much as possible um, and put it out there and and not be afraid that it's going to be perfect or ready. Um, but just keep, <laughs> keep um, you know, creating the content that that's exciting to you. 
Yeah, I think that's great. And that's, I guess, gives you like an authentic feel as well. It's not like, oh, let me put out this perfect finished product. It's like, no, this is me every single day just trying to get stuff done. So, exactly. Um, yeah. yeah. And uh, so in terms of going from making your own products to, uh, you know, presumably using a manufacturer and transitioning to that, how, how is that? And you can, can you explain a little more in those details? Because I'm sure there's some of our uh, listeners out there who might be in a similar position um, trying to kind of expand their business. Yeah, definitely. It was uh, two ways. On the one hand, the, the benefit of making stuff myself is I had a good understanding of, you know, how to create something and sell it online and then ship it once it's sold. So that the, the basics were there. Um, what I, I hired a designer to design the Get to Workbook products or a design team, a couple of people. And um, that was scary because it was expensive, but I knew that I wanted the book to be really professional and, and higher than what I could do. I wanted it to be a level above um, my design capabilities. So I knew that that was necessary. And then the production was scary because it was a lot of money, right? Like any time that you're having someone create for you, more than likely you're, you're putting in a large order, you're, you're ordering a lot of product. Um, and so there's just a lot of overwhelm there. I think that's very normal. I think that a lot of times when you're a small business and you're making that jump, you're waiting for it not to feel scary and it's just going to feel scary. It's always going to be scary to, to make the transition. Um, so you, it's a calculated risk, right? I thought about how many was I going to order? I thought about what was I going to charge? How long, how many would I have to sell to just break even? Um, all, I ran all of those numbers and I got to a point where, you know, I knew that I wasn't going to go bankrupt if this didn't work. And, and so it felt like, worth taking the risk. Yeah, I, th I think that's exactly right. Just uh, proper preparation, you know, run your numbers um, and test the waters. I think, like you said, you you already yeah. had a really good foundation of what you uh, what worked, you know, how to sell your audience was already there. So I think mm -hmm. that's a good, yeah. good tip for people. Yeah. yeah, you can you can start small. And if starting small means making your own stuff, then make your own stuff and, and sell it that way. And then uh, manufacturers and distributors maybe come a little bit later. Yeah, yeah. And does anybody help you with running that business or are you uh, doing that all by yourself? Right now, it's still just me. You know, I, um, I, I have a warehouse actually here in San Diego because the business grew out of my garage. Um, but right now, it's still me that ships all the product um, because I like it. I, I like to kind of be the person that handles the customer service and then gets the orders out the door. Um, so yeah, still, still just me. That's cool. That's cool. Do you, I guess you might maybe get to put a little extra effort into your packaging and stuff like that. And you kind of personalize the experience. I bet that's part of it. Yeah. That's a huge, like I am um, speaking of stickers, you know, like a, a big part about what I, when I, when you get the package, like I want there to be all these branded pieces inside that make it feel more special. And my goal with like all of my business card and my thank you cards and, um, everything on the product, I want you to save it. Like I want you to think it looks good and like want to hang it on your wall. So it's not just a receipt, you know, it's, it's like a little piece of art. Yeah, and actually it's a great transition into stickers because I think what you're doing is such a good idea. Um, so for all our kind of listeners out there, it's a sticker that has a coupon code on which you can use yeah. for next year. Uh, obviously exactly. you've got to buy a planner once a year. Um, so that's just a great way, you know, giving somebody something they can actually stick in the planner and remember that coupon code so they don't lose it and then buy next year. I think um, such a good way to re-engage with people. Yeah, it's like a, it's like that exactly. You go to the dentist and they they give you that little sticker, you know, and it says like your next appointment is blank. And um, that's totally what I modeled it off of. And I use your guys' stickers as well, just like on my packaging. On the outside of the package, there's a sticker. Um, it's 
kind of like a little paragraph, but it's like, this is for the list makers, you know, the goal setters, the dreamers, blah, blah, blah. Um, and that's, that's a fun one too. And then I've also sent your stickers like as product, like as free gift, you know, like actual stickers that aren't stuck yet. So people can use them too. Yeah, definitely. I think free stickers in boxes is, is such an yeah. important thing. Um, I look for it every time I buy stuff from, from brands. I'm like, I find the stickers in the box, you know, slap them on my cooler or something like that. I think, mm-hmm. um, not just because I work in a sticker factory, but you know, also, cause I think it's a, it's cool. And, um, I like the way you combined your sort of inspirational messaging on your sticker, which is sort of something else you do, um, uh, with the kind of organization that was, that was a pretty, um, cool to tie those two things together. Yeah, thank you. Um, and other things as well. So you you have a podcast. Um, how does that kind of tie into the whole the whole mix? And when did you start doing that? Yeah, I started my podcast in 2014, the spring of 2014. So this was like pre-serial. So this was before podcasts exploded. Um, and I wanted a different way to, you know, talk and share ideas. And as of course, you know, you know, talking is so different than writing and you can communicate differently. It's also a podcast is something that people can pop on when they're driving or walking. And it's, it's another way to kind of get their attention. Um, so that was a fun, it felt like a fun venture at the time. And I've been able to interview, you know, a hundred people about their small businesses and creativity and goal setting and, and all of the things that I like to talk about. So that's been great too. Like if you ever want to just talk to cool people and start a podcast, that's a good way to get them to, to chat for half an hour. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I know we've had a ton of fun, you know, speaking to, to people like yourself and actually, you know, hearing from customers and hopefully um, providing a, a service to other people out there. I think there's a, you know, there's a whole, uh, you know, host of information you can get out there in podcasts. So um, it's cool to see, you know, somebody actually doing something similar to us. You know, we're a business marketing and growth podcast and you're, a, um, you know, creativity and small business. I think there's a lot of parallels yeah. there. So it's kind of fun to, to obviously have you on today um, and talk about that a little bit as well. Cool. Um, so and recently you're um, sort of becoming an author. You've got some books as well that are on the on the website um, as kind of, you know, a supplemental product to your planner. Um, let's mm-hmm. talk about that because I know that's the the motivational theme continues there. Yeah, definitely. So the first, I self-published a book in 2016. It's called 100 Pep Talks. And I did what's called the 100 Day Project, which is an awesome, for people listening, it's like an awesome creative challenge that's public. Tons of people do it. Usually runs from April until July every year. And every day for 100 days, you do something creative. And so people make little paintings or they, um, you know, watercolor, sculpture, whatever. And I decided to write a pep talk every day for a hundred days. And at the end of the project, again, 2016, I, um, I turned them into a book. I, I self-published this, this book. And so that's what's currently sold. And then in October, I have a book coming out with Chronicle Books and that's called Big Dreams, Daily Joys. And that's like a goal setting guidebook. So it's, it's not a planner. It's not a journal. You can't, or you can, but you're not supposed to really write in it. Instead, it's just kind of sharing my philosophy and ideas for motivation and productivity and getting things done. Cool. Uh, can you, you know, speak more to those philosophies and ideas? Like, sure. uh, let's let's hear them. I'm sure there's yeah. some great advice <laughs> for people in there. Yeah, definitely. So a lot of what um, I, you know, kind of preach with Get to Workbook is this idea that big things happen one day at a time. And so it's this idea, my general idea is, you know, you have something that you want to work on. And so the best thing you can do, the the number one thing you need to do about that is write that down and then think, okay, you know, when do you want to accomplish whatever goal you have? 
in a year? Great. Okay, so a big part of how you're going to get to reaching that goal in a year is by consistent check-in. So it's by like, you know, knowing what your goal is and then two weeks from now, sitting down and checking in, where are you at? What's working? What do you need to do? And then picking specific action items. So what is something that you can do today for this goal that you want to accomplish in a year? And a lot of times the action items are really small. Like they're minor things. Like, you know, you want to start a podcast. So today's thing that you're going to do is you're going to come up with a name or you're going to Google whichever podcast system you're going to use to upload your thing. You know, so it's, they're usually such small steps. And a lot of times we just get overwhelmed by all these steps. And my whole thing is to just focus on that one thing at a time. Um, yeah. So, I mean, that's one <laughs> of the things I talk about in the book. And a lot of it is just uh, how to kind of stay on track and, and keep moving forward. Yeah, that, I mean, it makes perfect sense. We uh, use something similar as a as a business. Um, you know, the business model is called uh, traction, but it's like it's all work back. There's a one year goal, there's a three year goal, there's a ten year goal, and then once you've sort of set your goals, which is a little bit of a um, how do you say it? Just uh, you know, it's your ambition. Um, you yeah. know, maybe you can get it done in a year, maybe you can't, but you've got to set it regardless. Um, and then even if maybe that goal takes longer than a year, you've still broken down the steps into, you know, I'm going to do this in this three months and then, you know, this quarter, that kind of thing. So yeah, definitely. Um, and then aside, obviously from, from your planners, do you have any, uh, you know, tools and stuff like that? Maybe apps, programs that you use to help organize? Yeah, you know, I don't. I, I'm I'm really a paper planner person. It's not because I'm crazy loyal to my products. It's because for me, that's the best way for like for me writing it down and seeing it physically is the best thing to do. Um, my only, I mean, I, I use a lot of different tools for my business. Like, I would highly recommend Ship Robot if people out there are shipping products. It's great. It takes all my orders, puts them all in, prints out all my labels. It allows me to like do a lot of batch shipping, which is awesome. So that's like an online app that I use consistently as a small business owner. And otherwise, Gmail, um, keeping things like organized, Google Docs, like a lot of the normal free stuff, I, I take a lot of advantage of. Yeah, I'd say uh, big fans of Google over here. I'm like, get, get your <laughs> Google Calendar synced up. Then you've got your spreadsheets, your documents. It's all in there. Yeah. It pings the notifications. It's great. Um, but yeah. no, I agree with you. I like paper as well. I think... Um, we have a lot of tools that we use as a business because when you're working with cross-functional teams, yeah. you, you need a digital record and you need to be able to ping people um, and assign people tasks and stuff like that. But when it comes to you know breaking out my day and what I'm doing, I'm like, I need to you know write it down. It, help, it helps me visualize. And I think, um, yeah, do, do what works for you. You don't need to jump in with the tech uh, just because everybody's <laughs> telling you that technology is going to solve all your problems. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, cool. And uh, I think the final um, thing, at least, that, that I picked up from your website is your Creative Kids e-courses. Um, yes. Yeah, that was something that uh, looked really interesting. What, what can you tell us about that? Of course. Yeah. So I have two daughters and they are six and three and a half. And since my older daughter was six months old, I have been like making, making stuff with her. You know, I, I had her paint our little Thanksgiving place cards when I, we had our family over. And I think a lot of, you know, I love creativity. I'm a maker as we've discussed at length. And so getting my girls involved has always been really fun and exciting for me. Um, but as I've shared that, you know, on my blog or on Instagram, I, I always get a lot of like, Oh, I wish I was creative with my kids, but it seems like such a mess or, Oh, I wish I, you know, was more comfortable getting out the paint or something. Um, and so I wrote this e-course for parents who like want to be creative with their kids and want to encourage creativity and art and learning 
um, with their children. And yeah, it's been, it's been really fun creating all the projects and working with my daughters to make it was awesome. And it's easy. I mean, you can just kind of read it or you can refer back to it whenever you need, but it's a good one. Yeah, that's really cool. And I, I can totally understand how a lot of people might struggle with that. If you're not a naturally creative person, but you want to, you know, help your kids with stuff like that. It's like, oh, what, what do I do? I'm stuck here. I'm not an artist. Yeah. For sure. I feel, and it's just, it feels like such a mess. And something that I've learned is once you get into it, um, your kids get better at it, you know, and they, and I don't mean like they become better artists. I mean, they get better at spending time painting or spending time drawing. And so suddenly the, these like three minute messy art projects can last hours, which is amazing and, and kind of the goal. Yeah, I, I know we see a lot of um, stickers around kids-based stuff, like some great sticker sheets um, that are all clearly, you know, aimed at kind of kids learning and stuff like that. So I think um, there's there's tons of ways you can be creative with stuff like that. And it's cool to see Definitely. it's cool to see brands kind of getting into that as well and using stuff like stickers to to, to help with the learning. Yeah, for sure. Um, so what's next for you? Obviously, the the, the planners are going really well, and, and the book's coming out out in October. Um, but yeah, anything else on the horizon? Yeah, those are my main two, making sure I sell planners. Um, I, I do two planners a year. So right now I have the July, June out, and then shortly I'll have the 2020, which is crazy. I'll have that planner um, up for sale. But yeah, pushing my book, um, trying to get people to buy that. Those are my main things right now. Um, and then after that launches, we'll have to touch back in like late October and I'll tell you what I'm going to work on. I, I don't know yet. We'll yeah, okay, cool. Yeah. And <laughs> do you change the plan as much kind of uh, year by year? You change out the themes and stuff like that? I, I change the, the, the general look and feel is always the same. It's very consistent. Um, but each month there's a motivational text illustration, which are really cool. They've kind of become like little artworks on their own. And so those change. So every year there's 12 new um, illustrated prints in each book so that that changes but the normal spreads i'll say i'll say the same for people yeah i guess people when they find a planner they want they actually probably yeah. want some consistency and are, yeah. is that your illustrations that you're that you're putting in there no um i work with an awesome team up in portland Jolby and friends and they do the illustrations i come up with the phrases um and i sort of give them like here's what we're what i'm thinking but we're on year five now and so they're like in my head and I'm in theirs. And so there's very little revisions or changes because now we all kind of have the feel. So yeah, that's really fun. That's really good. When you've got, you've got a yeah. designer who you can just be like, this is what I'm thinking. And they come up and you're like, nailed it. Like, yeah, exactly. Like the revisions just, there's like no revisions anymore compared to when we started. Yeah. It sounds like, um, you know, with you and your team, you've got stuff pretty worked out at the planners. Yeah, so far. <laughs> nice. Um, so we're coming to the end of our time. So, you know, where can people uh, find you, obviously, if they want to check out things? Yeah, for sure. My home base um, on the internet is elisejoy.com. And if you go there, you can find, I don't update my blog as much anymore, but you can find a link to 12 years of archives. Um, and then the planner is sold at gettoworkbook.com. And everything we talked about is there. Um, and then I'm at elisejoy on Instagram. And I share there most frequently. That's great. Well, uh, be sure to go check out her, her website and all her products. There's some really cool stuff on there. Thank you very much for tuning in. And remember, every sticker has a story. What's yours? That wraps up this episode of Stickers on the Mic, brought to you by StickerGiant.com. You can download us on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, or your favorite podcatcher. If you enjoy what you're hearing, please leave us a review. It helps us reach new listeners and share our customers' sticker stories. And if you're inspired to create your own stickers or labels, head over to stickergiant.com to check out our options and use the coupon podcast to take 20% off your first item. Thanks again for listening to Stickers on the Mic.